Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone, rest your Hello there, Edwin. Hey, Andrew. Hey, man, it's Wednesday. You got your Bible open. We probably should talk about the Psalms. I want to talk about Psalm 21. Sounds good. Let's keep it We're going. We're going to talk about some tough stuff in today's conversation today's conversation we're gonna have a hard talk i think so i'd like to talk about the last half of the psalm so let's just listen to it yeah and and see where this is gonna lead okay i'm gonna read from the new american standard bible today oh lord in your strength the king will be glad and in your salvation how greatly he will rejoice you have given him his heart's desire and you have not withheld the request of his lips For you meet him with the blessings of good things you set a crown of fine gold on his head He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. And through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and fire will devour them. Their offspring you will destroy from the earth and their descendants from among the sons of men. Though they intended evil against you and devised a plot, they will not succeed. For you will make them turn their back. You will aim with your bowstrings at their faces. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Well, you said you wanted to talk about some hard things in this psalm. And I have to tell you, and I appreciate that we read from the different translations, the way the New American Standard crafted verse 12 Mm. How was it again? For you will make them turn their back. You will aim with your bowstrings at their faces. Aim with your bowstrings at their faces. Of course, the New King James, ready your arrows on your string toward their faces. The same idea, but I don't know, something about the imagery in the New American Standard. It's like fire at point blank range. That is exactly. Right in their face. That is exactly what that's about. We're going to, we're going to, this thing is going to be fired at your most vulnerable spot. You so, get hit with the arrow between the eyes. Yeah. You are not going to survive. This is some striking violent imagery here. And we have it at the end. And so, okay. So earlier in the week, let me see if I can set the stage. We, we talked about how this psalm actually looks back. It's a Thanksgiving psalm. It's right. a psalm that says, hey, we, been we prayed blessing. We prayed blessing. Psalm 20 was a prayer of blessing on the king as he's mm-hmm. going out to mm-hmm. battle. We asked that the Lord would give him his requests. We asked that the Lord would give him salvation and deliverance. We asked that the Lord would preserve his life. We asked that he would come back and we would be able to raise up our banners and exultation and shout and sing for joy. And God has done every bit of that. So the first part of the psalm looks back and it's praise and it's adoration for the strength of God that he has demonstrated in this recent and previous battle. And, and it gives credit to the Lord. And that's what we've talked about up to this point. Yes. But this psalm also looks ahead. It's, it's as if this victory that has just happened is actually just a down payment. Mm. It's, it's a, a symbol and a signal that God is going to keep his full promises. But we look around and realize there are still a lot of enemies out there. 
Okay. So, you know, uh, to, to put this in kind of a Joshua Judges kind of context, you had the cr- tremendous victory of Jericho. Sure. And yet there's an entire Canaan land <laughs> that Joshua and the people are supposed to go and, and take. Yes. I yes. gotcha. But, of course, here we're talking in the time of kings, and I think perhaps what uh, what's a little bit more to the point here is Psalm 2. Okay. You remember in Psalm 2 where the promise to the king is very pointed and it's very complete and full. Mm. Let me just flip over there. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? I'm reading from the ESV this time, Uh by the way. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you're my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me, I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him." Sorry, I couldn't figure out which one verse to read. I just got into the whole thing there <laughs> because right. here was Psalm this two. promise. Here was the promise to the king uh-huh. that look, all of your enemies mm-hmm. are going to be defeated. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell all the enemies you, you've got one out. Your out is to kiss the sun. Your out is to come to my anointed one mm-hmm. and to seek his favor and to give your allegiance to him because otherwise he is going to crush you with a rod of iron like a potter's vessel. Mm-hmm. Now we get to Psalm 21. And Psalm 21 looks back at this one victory and basically now says to all the other enemies that are out there, do you see that? Mm-hmm. That's coming for you. Yeah, verse 8, your hand will find all your enemies. Your right hand will find those who hate you. Back in Psalm 21 now. I'm sorry, yeah, back in Psalm 21, verse 8. Yeah, absolutely. And it's what happened here, what happened in this one victory is Mm -hmm. now going to happen with all the enemies, or I should say is eventually going to happen with all the enemies. Here's something really fascinating about this psalm. One of the difficulties in this psalm is knowing who is specifically being addressed in this last half. Yeah, well, I I can see that. Um, who is who is the your? We have a whole lot of uh, second person here, verses 8 through 12. So clearly in verses 1 through 6, the you is the Lord. O Lord, in your strength, the king <clears throat> rejoices. Then we have kind of a transition verse, it appears, in verse 7, for the king trusts in the Lord. The king and the Lord are both spoken of in the third person there. We've got kind of, a, a, a again, a transition verse. So mm, now we move right. to verse 8. Are we still praying to the Lord, or is this now the people who have had this faith and seen this victory essentially turning to the king and giving him encouragement, Mm -hmm. giving him encouragement to say, this victory that the Lord has given you is a down payment of his full promise. He has demonstrated that he is going to do it. This is what's going to happen. What he has done with this enemy, he is going to do with all enemies. And the reason why a lot of people think that's what's happening is because in verse 9, the Lord, we've got all these you's in second person, but the Lord is mentioned in third person in verse 9. And then in verse 13, it's being spoken to the Lord, be exalted over. Lord, it's clearly addressed to the Lord 
there. That yeah, that clearly is clearly that what this psalm has is this final statement that is kind of the capstone on the whole thing, mm-hmm. where it's moved from an individual praise of the king and talking about what the king is going to do to now at the very end, here's what we all do: we mm-hmm. all praise the mm-hmm. Lord because you have you have done these things. Okay, and so there's a way to read this either way. However, in the end. Mm-hmm. In the end, the point is the same. Mm-hmm. Whether it's addressing the king as the Lord's instrument that you, King David, or whichever king who is faithful to the Lord, the Lord is going to use you to root out these enemies and judge them. Or if it's just saying, we know, Lord, you're going to do this. Either way, it says that judgment is coming. Yes. Judgment is coming on and the is- enemies. And is inescapable. And is inescapable. It's coming on the enemies of the Lord. It's coming on the enemies of his anointed. And there's only one way to avoid that. And that goes back to what Psalm 2 had. Kiss the son. Kiss the anointed. That idea of worship and give allegiance and homage and submission and surrender to the Lord's king, who is his instrument to bring judgment on all those who stiff arm the Lord and say, I don't want you. You know, that is there in Psalm 2, without a doubt. Oh, it is. I, I have a, I, I don't see it quite as apparent that there's an option to avoid the judgment here in Psalm 21. I mean, it looks like verses 8 through 12 that this is about a, a just Lord or perhaps a just king as an instrument of the Lord just working judgment. Well, Psalm 2 gives that hope that an enemy can be reconciled mm-hmm. and an en- enemy can become a friend. Mm-hmm. Here we're just talking about the enemies, folks who This is who the linger. end of the enemy. Yeah, this is if you're going to if you're going to be an enemy, judgment is coming. I know I know that's hard for us. We we feel like that's a very Old Testament kind of idea that was taken away and we don't have that in the New Testament. But do you remember in Thessalonians? What is it? I'm thinking is at the beginning of 2 Thessalonians. Yeah, I think it I is. I believe where Paul Probably brings this up. Seven? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5, this five. is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. It's something that the Apostle Paul would comfort saints in the first century really by assuring them that God is going to deal with the wicked and deal with those that are persecuting them in in well, uh, such dire judgment terms, I guess. Well, Perdition, I, fiery vengeance. So right? a couple of modern mistakes that get made around this idea of judgment. I think one of them is the idea that, well, nobody's actually going to get judged. Everybody's ultimately going to be saved. The scripture is very clear that no, some people are going to stiff arm the Lord. Mm-hmm. Some people are rejecting the Lord. He right. has offered the salvation and they have turned away and they will be 
judged. Right. They have not loved his appearing. They have not loved his truth. They have not loved his sacrifice. And they are going to be judged. They have not known him and they have not obeyed his gospel. I think the other is because we have emphasized, and rightly so, the love and grace of God, Mm -hmm. is the idea that somehow strong judgment against those who have rejected that love just does not go along with a God of love. But our loving God, what, what goes along with his love is he allowed that judgment to be poured out on Jesus on the cross yeah. because he wanted to help us escape that judgment. But the judgment is coming. One of the things that has helped me with that is the recognition that as you read through the Bible, it, it, I encourage you, if you haven't done this, just start going through the Bible and seeing some of the pragmatic, practical ways that judgment is meted out. Yes, sometimes it's because God brings down a, a breaking into the world, striking immediate judgment. But most of the time, what you've got is this, I'm leaving you up to your actions. Uh I'm giving you up to your way of thinking and your way of living, and you end up having to deal with the consequences. And the consequences are dire. They are awful. In fact, one of the things that I think we really recognize is that when God brings judgment where he breaks in, Mm -hmm. it's really he's just speeding up what you would have done to yourself ultimately or what we would have done to ourselves ultimately when we abandon God. It is ironic to me that people think God is too loving to judge mm-hmm. because, well, because he's holy, right? And if we're going to call him holy, then how, how could there not be a judgment? Well, I think one of the reasons people today, especially in modern America, have that is because we have not been the ones that have suffered at the injustice of the wicked. Mm. I think people who suffered at the from injustice from the wicked, they didn't have as much of a problem with judgment. With the, yeah. I, I promise you folks who suffered under Hitler during the Holocaust did not have a bit of a problem seeing a loving God taking that man and judging him. Right. Where we have the problem is, well, I, I haven't perpetrated a Holocaust, so why would I be yeah. the subject of such judgment? And what that demonstrates is that I don't understand the nature of how horrific sin is. Right. And you're right. I haven't perpetrated Holocaust. But but think of the people I have hurt with my sharp words, with my anger, with my lust, with my all, all these things that I've done. I've hurt people with that. Well, and we have a hard time conceiving because we are not, you know, these perfectly holy beings ourselves. What an offense and a pain sin is at all and must surely be to God. It's contrary to his very nature. There's so many things that I'm now wanting to say, but we've come to the end of our time. It's it's a great it's a hard conversation, right? But it's a conversation. Maybe we, we need can to have. pick up and talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. We'll have to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. As it is now, let's go ahead and wrap up with a prayer. Dear Lord God, we trust you as the judge of all the earth to do what is right. I will admit that we struggle with our background here in this first world country of America, with all of the prosperity that we've experienced, the fact that that. Uh, at least for me, I, I know that there are Americans who have experienced oppression, and so I, I don't want to be insensitive to, to those listeners as well, so, so they would understand. But I know for, for me and many like me, we haven't experienced it. So it becomes hard for us to understand this idea of judgment. Help us to remember that you, the judge of all the earth, you do what is right. And we're thankful for your grace that saves us from the judgment that we deserve. May we look to your son, Jesus Christ, for that. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. 
I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. I mean, I don't have to say hump day this time. (laughs) But it is the middle of the week. It is the middle of the week, and that is what they call it. Yeah, I know. It's a thing. It's like the middle of the camel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that reminds me of a song. Alice the Camel had five humps. <laughs> okay. I don't, I've never heard that song. You don't know that song? No. You want me to sing it for you? Go ahead. Alice the Camel had five humps. Alice the Camel had five humps. Alice the Camel had five humps. So go, Alice, go boom, boom, boom. Alice the Camel had four humps. Alice the Camel had You don't have to sing the whole humps. thing. Okay. And so you get down to Alice the Camel had... No humps, because Alice was a horse. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's a, it's a great song from elementary school. It's a wonderful song. <laughs> wonderful song. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you want to you wanna start this episode off for real? Yeah, I do. You want me to start the clock over? <laughs> Probably should.